Let me tell you when I believe worship becomes truly powerful and life-changing. It's when you just get real with God. Now that's, that's one thing I absolutely love about the book of Psalms and King David. That brother's just real with the Lord. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, and I think it's why, that's why it says that, because David was just real about who he himself was. He knew who he was. He knew how he fell short. He knew how he could not ever measure up uh, to the standard of God. But then he also realized who God is and how good God is. How many of you believe God is, is good this morning? Now, we know God is good because that's his character. That's what the Bible says about him. He is good. And today, I want to praise him for he is good. Now, I also want to praise him because he's been good to me. I mean, he has absolutely changed my life. Folks, I, I, I think, I'm so thankful this morning because there was a time in my life when I never would have dreamed I would have been standing in front of you in this pulpit preaching this message. I never thought that would ever be possible because of decisions and choices that I make, because of the cares and struggles and trials of this world, because of a lot of things, because of me. Uh, in my own bad decisions, I never thought I would be standing before you sharing the word of God. But I'm thankful God shows us his grace. Let me tell you why. Because he's good. I'm thankful God shows us his mercy. You know why? Because he's good. God is good and he's been good to me. And that's a reason to praise him. And man, what a powerful thing it is when you just get real with the Lord. Realizing who you yourself are. Realizing who God is. And, um, and just thanking him for who he is. That's what this is all about. Praising him for who he is. That's where praise becomes powerful. Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 16. Is what I want to look at again this morning. If you remember, we started here last week. And it is my plan today to go and finish what we started last time we were together. Acts 16 is the story of the Apostle Paul and Silas as they were um, going on their mission trip. Actually, Paul's second missionary journey and they went to a place called Philippi and God did a great work there and, and we looked at some of that last week such a powerful powerful verse of scripture here the 16th chapter of Acts and it just blesses my soul I'm so thankful for the great privilege and honor of being able to preach it to you now if you remember last time we were together I want to catch us up real quick that I, I told you there were four main points that I wanted to give you concerning Acts chapter 16. First of all, we looked at the Macedonian message. And you'll find that in Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. And that's when God gave a message unto the Apostle Paul and, and to Silas uh, on which direction they were supposed to go. As I said before, they were on a mission trip. And they had plans to go east into Asia. That's what Paul's plan was. He was the leader of this group. And so um, he was about to go into Asia and there preach the gospel. But God changed his plan because God had a different purpose. And God said, I don't want you to go east into Asia. I want you to go west into Macedonia, into what we know to be modern-day Greece. And so you need to understand that that changed the landscape of the world forever. How many of you understand this morning that I believe this one decision that was made by Paul, being led of God the Holy Spirit, that one decision that was made 
made the Western Hemisphere into what it is today. I would argue that we probably would not have America if Paul had not went west into Macedonia. You say, Reverend, why would you say that? Because I know the America we have had and the America we still do have in some places, I hope most places, is founded upon, listen to me, the truth of God's precious word. Do you know that? Now, the gospel came to Europe, and then there were some Europeans later on that decided, you know what, we want to serve the Lord how we want to serve the Lord, and we're going to find a place to do it. And by the providence of God, they, he brought those people to this country, to the United States of America, and here God did something that only God could do. Listen, a constitutional republic was formed with a constitution based upon the truth of God's precious word. And God has immensely, richly blessed this nation simply because it was founded upon the principles of God's precious word. None of that would have happened if the gospel had not come west to Europe. I mean, this is a big deal. Acts chapter 16. It's amazing how God did things and does things. How He works all things together for His glory and His people's good. Even in bad times, and we'll see that this morning. So God said, I don't want you to go east into Asia, but west into Macedonia. And the main point that I want to share with you is that when you recognize Jesus as Lord, it's no longer about your plans, but His purpose. That's what Paul realized. Paul had a plan to go east. God said go west. So guess what Paul did? The Bible says immediately they went west. They came into Macedonia. And then when they got there, they went to a place called Philippi. Point number two, you're going to see there starting in verse number 11. Uh, in verses 11 through verse number 15, you're going to be able to see that there was a Philippian prayer service going on by the riverside. Now, I absolutely love this because what I see here is people seeking the Lord. They're praying by a riverside, truly wanting to know who God is. Let me say to you again, I don't want you to miss this. We're going to keep saying it because it's absolute truth. Do you realize this morning that the God of heaven is not hiding from you? He's not. I I'm telling you this morning... God is as close to you, closer than your next breath. He is not hiding from you today. You need to understand this. I think what needs to happen, well, actually I know what needs to happen, is for us to seek Him. That's what happened with Philip, the people, these people in Philippi. They wanted to know the Lord. They wanted to know the God of heaven. And so God said, it's like He, he just said to them, the same thing He says to us, okay, if you want to know me, I'm going to make a way for that to happen. And the what He does, He sends Paul with the message of the gospel to these people, and people start getting saved. You say, Reverend, why would he send Paul with the message of the gospel? Because the gospel is the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for a lost and dying world. It's the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son, who was born by the perfect virgin birth, who lived perfect for 33 and a half years, who then went to a cross and took the punishment not for his sin, but for my sin and for your sin so that we could be made right with God. He did die on a Roman cross he was buried in a tomb, but three days later he overcome death, hell, and the grave. That's the gospel. And the Bible says if we trust in him 
in His finished work, our sins can be forgiven. That which separates us from God, listen to me now, can be washed clean, taken away. Because He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when the sin is taken away, then that which separates us from God the Father is taken away. Therefore, we can be reconciled or brought close to Him. We can have relationship with God through the person, through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why He sent the gospel. That's why He sent Paul preaching the message of salvation. He comes to Philippi, Philippi, and Paul starts preaching there at this prayer service by the riverside. Lydia and her whole household, the Bible says, got saved. They trusted in the Lord, became followers of Christ. Praise God. You Bible students know that Lydia was a very important person in Philippi. She had a very successful business. She She sold fine linens. And now listen to me. When it says her and her household got saved, that means everybody under authority. Not just her, but her family. Not just her family, but the people who were servants in her household. Not just the servants in her household, but those who worked for her business. Everybody that that was under the authority of Lydia trusted in Jesus and began to be Christ followers. And a church was born right there from a prayer service. Now what amazes me, What I don't want you to miss is the Apostle Paul was an answer to somebody's prayer who wanted to know the Lord. Now listen to me, folks. I can't think of anything better than to to be tomorrow than an answer to somebody's prayer. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of nothing better than that. When they're really seeking the Lord, when they really want to know the truth, when they really need encouragement, when they really need edification, when they really need, listen, something that only God can give them, I cannot think of anything better than to be the answer for that. Let me tell you how we do it. Same way Paul did it. Be spirit-led. Realize it's not about your plan. Recognize Jesus as Lord and say, Lord, here I am, use me. I will go, send me. I will go across the street. I'll go around the world. I'll go to my workplace. I'll go to my school. I'll go to the grocery store. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But as I go, let me be an answer to somebody's prayer. Let's be spirit-led. Amen? See that Macedonian message. But oh, see the Philippian prayer service that was going on. Number three. I want you to see the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. Look what happens. Acts chapter number 16. Let's start right there. In verse number 16, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying or fortune-telling. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he, meaning the Spirit, came out the same hour, verse 19, when he heard the master saw that a large, uh, that, a, that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon their 
upon them. They cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Verse 24 says, Having been received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Let's pray together. Father, we need you this morning. We can do nothing without you. Lord, I'm praying that you would have your way and your will in these services. I'm praying, Lord, you would use me for your honor and your glory. Speak to me. Speak through me. Father, give me the truth that we all stand in need of. Lord, let let this not be done in my ability and my power, but in your power. Holy Spirit, do the work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The imprisonment of Paul and Silas is really a puzzling thing when you start to think about it. There's three or four things here that I want you to see under this heading. And they all start with P. Maybe that will make it easier for you to understand and, and to remember. Now, first of all, you need to see the position of the Apostle Paul. Look at 16 through 18. The Bible says right after they've had this revival service there on the banks of the river and people have gotten saved and a church has started, right after that, right after God does this great work, what happens? The next day when they were going back to pray again, because it worked the first time, You get that, don't you? Why why try to fix what's not broken? It was by a prayer service that Paul came. When Paul came, people got saved. When people got saved, the church was born. If it worked the first time, the next day, they were going under prayer. Amen. They, they, they just wanted to, to, to be in the center of God's will. They were praying for God's leadership. They were praying for God's guidance. They were praying for God's blessing. They were praying for God's grace. They were praying that God would just do what only He can do. Are you praying? Are you seeking the Lord? Oh, you need to be, church. The next day as they went to prayer, what happened? A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, the Bible said. Now, what is a spirit of divination? It's a spirit, it's a demonic spirit. It's a spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me give you some scripture this morning. It comes from 1 John chapter number 4, verses 1 through 4. Brothers, can you put that on the screen for me, please? 1 John chapter number 4, verses 1 through verse number 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but what's it, what's it say? Try the spirits. Now, why should we try the spirits? Why should we test the spirits? Because not every spirit that has power is the Holy Spirit. Do you get me? So he says you need to keep a a, a spiritual eyes open. You need to keep your spiritual ears open. And you need to try the spirits. He goes on to say, watch this. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. And he gives us some criteria to look for. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now we need to understand. Paul met this head on, and whether you realize it or not, you meet them daily. You may not always recognize it, but there are many spirits throughout the world that are not of God, that are anti-Christ, against Jesus. You need to be aware of that. 
Now, the one that's mentioned here is the one of the spirit of divination or the spirit of fortune-telling. That is a specific spirit that the Bible deals with over and over and over again all throughout the Old and New Testament. It's in the world today. The Bible says for the believer not to have any contact with the unfruitful works of darkness. If you believe it, say amen. So let me tell you something. If you claim the name of Jesus and you're talking to a fortune teller about what's going to happen in your future, stop it. Stop it. That's not for you. That's not the right spirit. Let me go as far as to say this. If you're, if you're trusting in your daily horoscope to direct your path, stop it. Stop it. I don't care what your sign is. That stuff has no place in the life of a child of God. Quit playing with it. Leave it alone. Not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. You say, brothers, is that really that big a deal? Yes, because these spirits do have power. Quit messing with that stuff. Now, I got good news for you. All of these different spirits are in the world. They are. But the good news is this. Look at verse 4. 1 John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you believe it, say amen. Praise God. Listen. Why would I want to deal with a lesser spirit? Why would I want to trust in a lesser spirit? Why would I want to learn from a lesser spirit? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If I want direction for my life, guess who I ask to do it? I go straight to the top. I go straight to the one who can and has made a difference in my life. He's my father because I've trusted in Jesus. And my Bible says I can always come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't need to call the Socket Friends Network. I don't need to look up my horoscope. I don't need to do any of that. I'm bringing it to the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. All the earth is His. The heavens are His throne and the earth is His footstool. He says, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Now, now this just blesses my soul when I think about it. Do you realize, folks, Satan is real? And his power is real. And his power is dark and evil. All of that's true. But I'm glad this morning Jesus lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. I recognize the power of Satan, but I don't fear the power of Satan. I don't have to fear, and you don't have to fear, child of God. If you know Jesus this morning, greater is he that's in you. I think about all the times when Jesus was upon this earth. Man, he was walking through all the towns and villages there, ministering unto the people. And many times he would meet demonic people possessed with a demonic spirit. And many times before he ever even got to them, the demons were crying out for fear because they recognized God himself was walking among them. 
You remember the man in the country of the Gadarenes who was out in the tombs cutting himself with stones, acting crazy nobody could do anything with him. They had him chained up. He was breaking all the chains. And the Bible says that he came and fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged the Lord, the demons within that man, begged the Lord that he that Jesus would not torment them. That's my Jesus. Listen, and that's your Jesus if you're a believer. Greater is he that's in you. Don't trust the lesser when you've got the greater. Don't fear the lesser when you've got the greater. Greater is he that's in you. That's what happened with Paul. Here he is, right after God's done a great work, Satan comes right on the scene and tries to hinder what's going on, tries to hinder the revival services that's taking place. And so Paul, trying to preach the gospel, trying to do the work that God had called him to do, he begins to get irritated. He begins to get annoyed. The Bible said he got grieved. And he turned around, being full of the Holy Spirit. So you have this girl that's full of the spirit of divination. You have Paul that's full of the Holy Spirit. He turns around and says, in the name of Jesus come out of her and the Bible says that demon came out right then and there wow why is that because of Paul's position Paul is in Christ Christ is in Paul being full of the Holy Spirit I don't care how full the girl was greater is he that's in Paul than he that's in her. Isn't that good news? How important is it that you walk around full of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Controlled by the person of the Holy Spirit. Led by the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. The position of Paul is he is in Christ and Christ is in him. Amazing. Not only do you need to see the position of Paul But now, look, you also need to see the persecution of Paul. Watch what happens. Then the Bible tells us in verses 19 through 24, And when her masters saw that the hope of her gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace until the rulers, and they brought unto the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs, which are not lawful for us to receive, whether to observe being Romans. And all the people got mad at them, rose up against them. And then the magistrates commanded that they be beaten and imprisoned. Put in jail. Now, there's two things that I want you to see under the heading of the persecution of Paul and Silas. Folks, first of all, the beating that they took. The Bible says many stripes were laid upon them in verse number 23. Now, you've got to remember that Philippi at this time was a Roman province. And being a Roman province, they had Roman guards there in the city. They had legions, uh, maybe not a legion, but a, a group of Roman soldiers that kind of uh, helped control all the things that that, uh, that that would go wrong there. So they were kind of the military force among the people. Now, one of the people that would have been there in that time and in every Roman province was a Roman soldier called a lictor. Has anybody ever heard of a lictor? A lictor is someone trained in the art of punishment. And what they had were these big, long reeds or these big, long canes. And if anybody got to acting up there in the province, then they would whoop out those canes and give them a caning. I mean, that's really what would happen. Happen. And that word lictor is kind of the word we get um, today when we talk about punishment. You get so many licks. I remember when I was a little boy and at school, if I got in trouble, guess what would happen? 
Sometimes I got three licks. Amen. I got punished. Now, in that day, they were getting punished by these people trained in the art of punishment. A Roman lictor, the Bible says, they laid many stripes upon their back. The same type person that was whipping the Apostle Paul would have been the same type soldier that whipped the Lord Jesus. That was his job. If it's his job and he professionally does it, that means he does it well and he knows it well. And so when he laid many stripes upon their back, that means their stripe, their back was filleted with the Roman lictor's cane. Are you getting that? Many stripes laid upon their back. Then the Bible says not only were they, were they beaten, but they were also put in bondage. Look at verse number 24. And having received such a charge, they thrust him into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, they didn't just put him in a jail cell. They put him in the inner prison or the dungeon. That would have been a place that would have been dug out in the earth. And after it had been dug out in the earth, it probably did not have um, a, uh, uh, walls or floors, probably just a hole in the ground more than anything else with a set of stocks and chains there for the imprisoned. Now, we think jails are bad today. And they are. But it's nothing compared to what's being spoken of here. They were put in the inner prison in complete darkness. And listen, the Bible says then their feet was put fast in the stocks. Now, the stocks was nothing more than a piece of wood that had a hinge on it that hinged on one side and two holes in the middle. And what they would do was put their feet through those holes, uh, bring that hinge down so that the, the, the wood would close. Then they would lock that piece of wood so they could not move. Now, the, the problem is... Listen to me now. Paul was put in the same stocks as the one before him was put in. Now, once you get in the stocks, you're there. So if you've got to go to the bathroom, guess where you go to the bathroom? In the stocks. So here you have the Apostle Paul, his back being filleted by a Roman lictor. Then he's put in the inner prison in this deep, dark dungeon, wet, Dirty, dark, and when he sits down, it's a very good possibility he sits down in someone else's excrement. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's where this man is. Let me ask you something. Is it because he's done something wrong? I mean, the popular preaching of today that I hear most of the time is, Look, as long as you have enough faith and you just keep following the Lord and you love the Lord and, man, you love people and you do your part that you're never going to go through any trouble. As long as you are faithful. Let's just see if Paul's faithful. When he was planning on going to, you remember, he was planning on going to Asia by way of a vision in the night, God said, go to Macedonia. So what did Paul do immediately, the Bible said? He went to Macedonia. Dr. Tony Evans said that walking by faith means you just act like God's telling the truth. Well, that's what Paul did, didn't he? God said, go to Macedonia, and immediately they got up the next morning and left for Macedonia. This man is walking by faith. Now, when he got to Philippi, what did he do? He's preaching the, he's preaching the gospel. He's sharing the message of salvation. People are getting saved, and a church was born. What a blessing. 
Here you have a man walking by faith, doing what God told him to do under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When he gets to the place God told him to go, he does exactly what God said, which was preach the gospel to the Gentiles. That's what he's doing under the calling that God has put upon his life. And in the midst of that, he's beaten bloody, thrown in the inner prison with his feet fast in the stocks. That kind of blows out of the water, in my opinion. The name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Believe it, receive it, gospel. Are you hearing me? Paul was faithful. He did love the Lord. He was serving the Lord. He wasn't put in prison for doing something wrong. He's in prison for doing something right. Now, the question that we all probably have at this moment, whether we're thinking about Paul or our own life, Lord, why do you, if you love us as your people, why do you allow us to go through the trials, the tribulations, and the storms that we go through? You ever ask yourself that question? I promise you this, go through a storm and you'll ask it. Go through a trial and you'll ask it. It's hard not to. Lord, why? Why is this happening? We all do that from time to time. Now, let me tell you this, folks. God does allow trials into the life of his people for several different reasons. One reason is we live in a fallen creation. Can you say amen? And we're all going to go through stuff. We're all going to go through trials, tribulations, trouble. All of us are. The, the, the good news is for the child of God, when you know Jesus, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You never go through those troubles alone. Billy Graham says it like this. He says that Christianity is not about the absence of, of problems in your life, but it is about the addition of God's power to help you overcome whatever problem you face. I, I like that. So part of the reason why we go through stuff that we go through, trials, tribulations, troubles, storms, whatever you want to call it, persecutions, a lot of the reasons we live in a fallen creation marred by sin. We live in a world that's got a system that is against God and against His truth. So the truth is we're going to go through some stuff. Now there's another reason too that we go through trials and tribulations. Many times Satan comes against us as we are serving the Lord. I see some of that right here with the Apostle Paul. Here he is preaching the gospel. Somebody gets saved and the very next day, Satan meets him head on with a woman demon possessed. Satan came against him. But we've got to also acknowledge if God is sovereign and in control, even though he may not send trials our way, he allows them. That's the third reason. Sometimes God does allow trials into our lives. You don't believe me? Go back and read Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4, you find the story of Jesus commanding his disciples to get into a boat and go over to the sea, over the sea of Galilee. He lays down and goes asleep in the bottom of the ship. 
Now, I believe Jesus being the Son of God and God the Son knew exactly what was coming in that night. I believe he understood the the storm was on its way, yet he still commanded his disciples to go out into the middle of the water. And when they get out there, they get so afraid because the storm gets so big that they're about to die, they cry out for fear, the Bible says. And they begin to say, Lord, do you not care that we're about to perish? And then Jesus stands up and after being asleep on the pillow in the bottom of the boat and says, peace be still and the wind ceased. The waves calmed and the lightning stopped. And that Sea of Galilee was just this calm as a farm pond. Peaceful in every way. And you know what his disciples said? What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the waves obey him. What happened? They discovered something about the Lord they never knew any other way. If they had never got in the storm, they never knew how Jesus get them out of the storm. Are you understanding me? What are they doing? They're then growing in their faith. They're then growing to be what God wants them to be. See, God allows storms into our life to develop us. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you like this. A few, uh, about four or five months ago, my son and I started, uh, I love spending time with my kids any way that I can. I always look for ways to spend time with my kids. And one way that we do that, uh, a lot of times, is just by going to the gym and exercising. And, and me and my son started, I guess, in the late part of November, and me and Anna Kate has as well, and me and Ellie Grace have, uh, as we've had time and, 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 and been able to. We, we all try to do that. Now, I, and, and the last of November, Gage started going, and and he started lifting. I was trying to show him what was the best way uh, to exercise and to, um, and to get to the place that he wanted to be and, and, and the goals that he wanted to achieve. And so he, he's on the bench press. I'll never forget it. And he's doing some bench press, and he does about five or six of them. The boy's just stout as a mule. And so he gets about five or six of them done, and he starts to rack the weight. But I could tell it wasn't time for him to rack the weight because if you're really going to develop like you want to develop, you've got to challenge your muscles, physically speaking. I mean, you've got to get to the place where you're actually tearing muscle fiber down so you can build it back up. And so when he starts to rack the weight, I just pushed it back. I said, no, no. Let's get two or three more. So he gets two or three more. Man, he's still repping it out. You know, no problem. He starts to re-rack it. I said, no, no. Pushed it right back over. And he gets two or three more. And he starts to rack it that time. I said, no, no, no. And I pushed it back. And he done another one. And then we both racked the weight. He said, brother, that's mean. Why would you do that? Well, it's not mean if he wants to develop. It might have been uncomfortable for him in that moment. But if he wants to develop, if he wants to get all he can out of that workout, then listen, he needs to push himself. Just like I need to push myself. Now, the only problem with that is he's also my spotter. So a week or two later, I'm on the bench press. You know, I'm doing my thing, and I get me five or six or however many I'm doing, and I go to rewack it, and he says, no, no. <laughs> now, I understood what he was doing. He, he's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. I wasn't trying to hurt him. I was trying to help him. God allows trials, hard things into your life to develop you. And he uses those in ways like he can use nothing else, just like the storm on the Sea of Galilee. 
What manner of man is this? But even the wind and the waves obey him. Now let me ask you this. If I came in to my home and Gage is laying on the couch and I've got a barbell full of weights with me and as soon as I walk in, I just walk over and throw it on him. Is that to develop him or destroy him? That's not helping him, that's hurting him. Listen, God brings trials in, or allows trials into our lives to develop us. Satan comes against us in the form of trials, trouble, persecutions to destroy us. He just won't throw it on you. Because he is that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I see both of those instances right here with the Apostle Paul, don't you? Satan certainly come against him, but God did allow this. And by allowing this, not only was Paul blessed, others were blessed as well. Let's go on. Look on verse number 25. Watch this. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Why at midnight? I heard one pastor say years ago, he said, uh, at midnight, all of the light that was available from the day is gone. And all of the light that's coming from the next morning, it hadn't got there yet. So at midnight, you're in the darkest part of the night. In the darkest part of the night, in the deepest, darkest dungeon, in a miserable condition, the Bible says they began to pray and praise. I've got here a flashlight. Pretty good flashlight. I would say that would be very effective in the dark. Now, it's somewhat effective now. Would you agree? I mean, if I shine it in your eyes, it's effective. Right? But how does this become more effective if I'm going to use this light? When it's dark. When it gets real dark, can you click that baby on? You can even see it from right here. I mean, check that out. It's dark back there. Watch. See what a difference that makes? What if we could somehow black out all these windows and turn off all these lights and have it completely pitch black dark in here and I flip this on? Would it make a difference? Would it be even more effective than what it is right now? Of course it would. Why? Because light shines brightest in the darkest places. And at midnight, at the darkest part of the night, in the inner dungeon, in the darkest place they could be in, they began to pray and praise. Now, I, I noticed something, though. God ain't done nothing yet. This praising and this praying is not a result of a miracle that God has done. Because He's not yet done a miracle. This praying and praising is not a result of what God has done, but it is a result of who God is. And so Paul says, even now, we believe. He looks over at Silas, he says, Silas, even now, we believe. And at midnight, 
they began to praise and pray and seek the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. In those midnight places, and you're seeking God and God comes through, There ain't nothing like that. I've had a few midnight places in my life. And I've had God speak and move and work in those times. And it's absolutely mind-blowing. There's a depth of relationship that you reach in the time of trial and tribulation with the Lord that you can't reach any other way. God allows these things to develop you. Not only to help you, but to help others. Verse number 26 says, And suddenly there was this earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. Go back to verse 25. Paul and Silas at midnight sang praises unto the Lord. And watch this now. The prisoners did what? Folks, when everything is hunky-dory and hallelujah and peaches and cream, and man, you just can't wait to serve the Lord every day and you just got a smile on your face all the time, is it, is it hard to praise then? Is it? It's not then because everything is going well. But man, when things go wrong, when trials and tribulations strike, when, when you're in times of trouble, sometimes it becomes harder to praise, but it's in those times God can use that like nothing else. It's turning the light on for others to see, not just yourself. When you are serving the Lord when things are good, that's one thing. But when you're still serving the Lord and being faithful when things are not so good, that's another thing, and people take note of it. And when they see how God brings you through, it gives them comfort and encouragement on how God can bring them through. It becomes a lot to you and to them even in the dark place. That's what happened there. The prisoners heard them. The world is looking for how you're going to react. They're listening for how you're going to react. Amen? The prisoners heard them. And then the Bible says there's a great earthquake that took place. You go back and you look throughout Scripture. Every time there's a great earthquake, the presence of God is on that situation. On Mount Sinai, when God gave the law, what happened? There was a great earthquake. Hey, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says the whole place did what? Shook. When God showed up and showed out. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. This earthquake, I, I love uh, Brother Andy Tucker sent me a message last week from uh, Mac Brunson of Valleydale Church in Birmingham. And he said something I absolutely love about um, what happened here. He said that I've, he's seen a lot of earthquakes that might could open a door, but he's never seen an earthquake that would shake off handcuffs. This is a different kind of earthquake. Any old run-of-the-mill, run, run everyday earthquake will open up doors and knock down buildings, but you're talking about one that shakes loose some handcuffs. Well, that's altogether different. See, the, the, the point is God's Spirit's doing something here. That only God can do. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open. He threw out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. And watch this now. 
But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. What? You're all here? Well, I can understand Paul and Silas being there, but what about the dude down the, down the, uh, down the, run, down, down the corridor? You know, the one that's in two or three cells down. I, I want to tell you something this morning just because I, I want to be um, transparent and honest. But don't, don't, please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to in any way give glory to my old life. I'm thankful that God has saved me from my old life. But there was a time in my life when I spent two days in jail. Spent a weekend. Friday through Sunday. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. Listen to me. If there would have been any way that I could have left that place at any time, by any means, I would have. I'm going to tell you something. If an earthquake had hit that place, I would have ran so fast and so far out of that place, I wasn't worried about nothing that was going on there. I would get away from that place. And, and, and listen, I had enough of that in about two hours. I spent two days. I, 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 I'm telling you, if I could have got out of there, I'd have got out of there. But the Bible says, here you have these prisoners. An earthquake happens. Not only does the door open up, but their handcuffs fall off, and they stay. Why? I think they want to see what's going to happen next. I think they were absolutely enthralled with the presence and power of God. That's what I think. You ever had those services in church? We've had some around here. I want to have some more. You ever had those services around, around church? Well, man, it's so good and the power of God's so strong and there's a spirit of unity and love and joy that you just don't want to leave it. You're just like, man, I just want to hang out here a little bit, you know, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want to move on. I'm just going to stay here for a while. I like having those services, man, where you just, you just don't even know what to do next. Just like, I think I'm just going to sit here and praise the Lord. <laughs> I ain't going to say nothing else. I ain't, we ain't going to talk about nothing. We're just going to sit here and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I think that's what happened in that prison that night. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what midnight experience you're a part of. I'm telling you this. He's still God. He's still God. Keep trusting. Keep looking unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Keep learning. He's got to show you something if you'll listen. He'll teach you something if you keep your eyes and ears open. And you're not in this season for no reason. God has allowed it ultimately for His glory and your good. I can't explain it. I can't reason it out. But I know it's true. I know it's true because God says it and I've experienced it in my own life. June the 9th of 2000, my brother was killed in a car wreck. And I'm going to tell you something, my life forever changed that day. So did my family's. And for years, at least two years after that, I was mad at God and I blamed God and I thought, Lord, how can anything good come from this situation? I mean, when you see your mama 
crumble in the front yard at the news you just gave her. And she can't even get up because grief has took her legs from her. When you see stuff like that, and you hear her scream like I've never heard a human being scream in my life, stuff like that changes you. And that forever changed our family, I'm telling you. And I wonder, God, why? How can anything good come from this? I don't get it. I didn't get it then. Because all I could see was right was what was right in front of me. All I could see was my past and my present, just a little bit of that. I didn't have the whole picture. Since that time, I have saw how God even used that terrible situation for His glory. And others good, even mine. I'll be honest, I don't think I'd be a pastor today without that in my life. God used that in a fantastic way. I know of other people who've come to know Jesus because of that incident. It's in their testimony. God began dealing with them through that. I don't understand it. Maybe you don't understand it. But I'm telling you, you can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. Keep trusting. Everybody stand together this morning. Bible says after in verse number 29 then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas the jailer did and he said brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved look what happens and they said believe on the Lord believe on the Lord who's the Lord Jesus is Lord when you accept him as Lord you accept him as master it's no longer about your plan, but his purpose. So what he says is, first of all, trust him as Lord. Give your life to him. Believe on the Lord, Jesus Christ. Who's Jesus Christ? Not only is he our master as Lord, but he's our mediator. He's our go-between. He's our high priest. He's done everything necessary for us to be made right with God the Father. Trust him as Lord, as master. Trust him as Jesus Christ, our mediator. And watch this. And thou shalt be saved and thy house. Do you get it? The justification of the jailer come by faith in Jesus. The Bible goes on to say, and you go back and read it for yourself, this man was saved, all his house was saved, they were all baptized. I believe they become members of the newly formed church of Philippi. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it, isn't it great how God works, how he can hit up? Straight lick with a crooked stick. I love it. I love it. Now, if you're here this morning, you've not yet trusted Jesus as Lord, as Master, as Messiah, as Mediator. Why not today? You can be justified just like that jailer was if you'll trust Him. Don't wait one more minute. Don't wait one more second. God loves you today.